So I don't know, Fred, I, I think I've mentioned this to Deepak already. I don't remember if I said this to you. I am about to go to a wedding, like literally right now. <laughs> Wait, l- and, like right now? <laughs> I mean, at three o'clock, I am getting into a Uber that is driving me to a wedding. <laughs> oh, God. Maggie's there because she's in the bridal party. Hmm. And she, I guess they had coordinated like um, outfits for the reception. Like all the bridal party had different outfits they were going to change into for the reception. And Maggie left hers at this Airbnb we're staying at. Mm. And she was like, it's not that big a deal. And I was like, it's fine. I'll bring it to you. It's fine. And so she, you know, was appreciative. But what I didn't reckon with when I offered to do this was that I would have to find a way to like discreetly bring like an entire change of clothes for my wife into a, a pretty formal ceremony where everybody's kind of facing the same way and doing the same thing. And me just walking in with like a handful of clothes would probably look weird, right? So what I've done is, we're actually, it's not an Airbnb, it's a friend's house. And I've found uh, a purse that I was able to fit all of Maggie's, it's a very, it's a small purse, but I was able to fit Maggie's jumper and whatnot into that. And I'm going to bring it into the ceremony because I think the purse itself will fit into the other purse Maggie already has. So the whole, I, th- I feel like I'm really thinking with portals here. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's probably, that sounds like a good strat. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had to smuggle clothes into a wedding before. I don't know where to begin on that one. to Nerd It Here Weekly, the weekly talk show from Nerd It Here First. I'm Ryan Trahan, and it's a bold new era where everything's better and bigger than it's ever been before, as you can tell by my absolute garbage audio quality. We'll get into it. But first, let's introduce my co-hosts with their great, sultry pipes coming in on those beautiful professional microphones. I've got Deepak Jitness. Yikshamaj, what nice. Red neighbor. How's it going, everyone? And the people's champion, Jackson Trahan. I'm glad to be back. I missed being in your phones. We're back. We're back in your phones. So I just it's, t- to, it's cramped in here. Well, hold on. It depends what the phone is. It's true. Some, some phones are roomier. We appreciate mm. all of our larger phones listeners for giving us the space to stretch out. <laughs> so before we get started, I just wanted to say, in case you haven't noticed, in case you're not a frequenter to the website, or in case our long time away from your podcast feed was maybe to you something more of a blessing than a curse, um, we're back and we've revamped the whole thing. We spent some time away from doing the work to kind of figure out how we wanted to do it and everything's all new. Uh, if you go over to NIHF.com right now, you'll be prompted to sign up for our newsletter. If you sign up to that, that's the whole package right in your email. At the beginning of every week, you'll get a podcast, you'll get an article or a review or something like that. And then down the road, if you decide to become a subscriber to the Nerd Here First community, which you'll hear more about in the coming weeks, 
then you'll get exclusive content. So that's it. And we're excited to talk about it. But also, we've kind of changed the structure of weekly. So rather than talking about news every week, we're just going to talk about stuff. This month, we've decided to make May Marvel. And this week, we are here to debate who is the best Marvel villain. So we've all made our pick. If you comment on this article on NIHF.com, which you can do if you are a subscriber, then you'll be able to let us know who your favorite villain is, and uh, we'll, we'll put a poll together, and everybody can go vote, and we'll see who the winner is. And you can find the link to all of that in this very show notes if you just scroll down your page. But to get things started, uh, Fred, do you want to kick us off with your nominee for Best Marvel Villain? I do, and I feel like mine is probably a pretty cliche choice, um, but I felt like there was absolutely no way we could not mention Thanos, right? Um, I think he's dominated the MCU. Yeah, you've got you've to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Thanos has absolutely dominated the MCU for like the past 10 years, right? Like he's the guy. He is. He was the big bad. We'd never seen a movie villain the way that we saw Thanos. Um, bad boy. Yeah, bad boy. But also like I thought Infinity War was kind of like his own personal movie. Like I feel like it was really Thanos's film for Infinity mm-hmm, War. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was it a really interesting been- it should have been titled Thanos the way they did all the heroes <laughs> movies. Yeah, but I mean, I just I think that that was a really neat take that we hadn't seen before. Um, and then outside of the MCU, because I know we're we're going to be going into all Marvel media here. Thanos in the comics is a little bit different, um, a little bit weirder. He's got a, a slightly different motivation for wanting to do everything. Yeah, he's a lot uh, he loves more of a romantic. Death. Yeah, actually. So the weird thing, like. I kind of like the MCU like resources motivation, but being in love with death is more like logically consistent. So I'm actually kind of, <laughs> I don't know which one I like more. So let's, let's it off. All right. Thanos's powers in the MCU. We all, he's a big, strong guy in the MCU. And then he gets top. the, and then he gets the infinity big, gauntlet. Dude. Yeah. Uh, no, he's not rude. I think he's rather polite, actually. He's shockingly polite for someone who wants polite. to kill half of the universe. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's fair. You got on the balance, right? He is, yeah, he's kind of a Hannibal Lecter of sorts. But I would just put out there that the murder is a little rude. <laughs> I mean, you he know, does uh, seek to do it. Like, I get the impression from Thanos he could have killed everyone via like regular combat, but he he wanted to do it in a sort of merciful way. Well, yeah, I, like, like most serial killers. I'm sorry, Fred, I didn't mean to derail this. I was just trying to make a big rude dude. But like most serial killers, he does he does really like the process. But Fred, go ahead, continue. Right. So, I mean, but I feel like in the MCU, we don't really go a lot into his power set, right? He's just a big, strong guy that can wield the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, and then most of his powers are slowly rocks. Right. So in the comics, though, it's a little bit different. And he is a big, strong guy but also uh, can overwrite the consciousness of other people and put him, put his mind in other people's bodies. That's pretty big. Isn't he a celestial? Half a celestial? He's half a celestial. Yeah. His, uh, his parents was one of them. And then he's a mutant from Titan and it's, it's a whole, yeah. yeah. He's like everything. He's a mutant. He's an eternal. He's a celestial. Mm-hmm. Um, makes him such a big dude. He's headless. um so no like he was trying to overwrite the consciousness of the living planet ego which i think is a interesting take Uh, you know uh, i don't know any other villains that can overwrite the consciousness of entire planet 
Uh, there's that one guy that eats planets, but you know Thanos beat Galactus. That's not overriding a conscience. That's a yeah. lot easier. I can eat a cow. <laughs> Fair. Sure, um, you can't mind control it. Right. Uh, he's um, invulnerable to most poisons, diseases, and telepathy. Um, That's a big one at the end it, there. It is a big one, especially if you've got people like Professor X who can... Like, Professor X is basically God, right? Like, he can make people do whatever he wants, uh, except Thanos. Um, and then I'd also like that Thanos has, like, the whole Black Order, which is a group of people under Thanos' control, mostly. His, his cronies. Look, if you're, if Minions, if Minions is a voting consideration for you, then Thanos is going to be a strong contender. Yeah. Um, so we have. He's got some ugly Minions, though, like the 08 Celtics. Just I know, it's great. I love them. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> we're playing against the Monstars, even, right? It's <laughs> like, oh, I don't want to mess with these fellas. There's a they, no, I mean, they're, they're certainly talented. We have Ebony Maw, who, in the Infinity Saga, is able to take control of Doctor Strange. Uh, Proxima Midnight convinces Namor to tell her where the Time Stone is. Corvus Glaive and Supergiant attack the Jean Grey School of Higher Learning and fight the X-Men and somehow don't die. Uh, that one's kind of a draw, though. They leave once they realize that the Infinity Stone's not there. So Once they realize Super Giant's not super or giant. <laughs> yeah. The only L that they really got was uh, a character called Black Dwarf, and he loses to Black Panther when he tries to invade Wakanda. Mm. Um, famously hard one, to do. One person had to invade Wakanda? That's a rough... Right. And so the rest of them came back and they end up seizing Wakanda. Right. So like so can I, if anybody if anybody hasn't read this Infinity War, that uh, this Infinity run that Fred is talking about, it's incredible. It's like mm-hmm. Thanos comes to Earth and he's got all of his he's got all of the Black Order and he's and the Avengers Illuminati have they each have one Infinity Stone. And so Thanos is just like each of you go and bring me back one. So that's why they're attacking all these places. Right. Because Black Panther has one. Xavier has one. Namor has one. Uh, Basically, what he does in the movie brings them to Earth and just mm-hmm. dispatches. Yeah, but so it's just really cool to watch. Like this is the uh, spotlight for the Black Order. It's just watching them tear up these superheroes and just not even give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, it's for these reasons, mentioned above, that I think Thanos has a very strong contender for the best villain of the MCU or for Marvel. All right, cross I hear, you. I hear where you're coming from. Thanos, Fred. Yeah, he's got the Infinity Stone. So that's pretty cool. In the comics, he's in love with death. That's a pretty crazy, cool thing. I'm into that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Um, here's a question that I would have for you. Okay. And this is going to... Across the board, obviously, with the exception of pocket dimensions or what-ifs or what-have-yous, and maybe especially Deepak might speak to that, but none of our guys are winners, right? They all lose at the end of the day um, because the heroes because the heroes win. But my question mm-hmm. is, should, should it count against Thanos that he's the one that lost with the Infinity Gauntlet? Like, mm. he's certainly, certainly you can't be more set up for success as a villain than having the Infinity Gauntlet. And I do suppose, mm. I mean, maybe he was successful because he snapped away half of reality. But then he did get to be back. a farmer for a little while. Right. So, and, 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 and so, so there's my question. Well, okay. So I think that that's a fair question. Um, I'm going to argue that in the MCU, Thanos never loses with the Infinity Gauntlet uh, because he doesn't. Right. Like so in the MCU, Thanos wins and then destroys the Infinity Gauntlet. And then 
never gets a hold of like he doesn't really get the Infinity Gauntlet yeah. in sure yeah and if it weren't for those pesky teenagers and that dog yeah no I understand yeah okay, so fair enough. MCU he doesn't lose with the Infinity Gauntlet even in the comics he gets weirdly talked out of using it right. um, yes he does and in the comics he loses because his daughter betrays him right so you know i'm gonna give him a pass for that because like you know kids right you know and and betrayals are hard you can't plan against betrayal that's you know it's it's not your fault it's just one of those things that goes with working with the bad guys you know can't trust them to our second nominee of the week and that's going to be my nominee and Hmm. and mine is dr doom dr victor von doom please put some respect on his name so let's talk about it yeah who is who is dr doom he rings a bell i won't have this the rapper this chicanery the professional (laughs) rapper yeah he the man in the iron mask is that the guy is empty doom yeah shout out recently departed Rest in peace. All right, Doctor Doom from the comics, Victor Von Doom. If you don't know who Victor Von Doom is, this is your lucky day because you're about to mm-hmm. learn. He is an Eastern European son of a witch who is born <laughs> through a pact with Mephisto and gains incredible supernatural ability. Control is this of Putin or Doom? It's well, they are very similar characters, as you will find out through this narrative. So Doctor Doom does not get his powers the same way the Fantastic Four do. No. Okay. But. That does make his okay. So let's hold. So hold on. So he's born with magic powers. Then he grows up so as a as a, an incredible super scientist. He goes to school with Reed Richards. He's of an equal intellectual capacity as Reed Richards, and he has the same control of the mystic arts as Doctor Strange. When the Fantastic Four go to space in some you know versions of Marvel history, Doctor Doom does go with them, and that's what you're alluding to, Fred. And that's how he gets his uh, like. In that version, kind of the facial scarring that then mm. causes him to fuse that mask to his face, is that's how he kind of becomes the iconic Doom with the metal face. But that, yeah. that's not his magic control powers. Okay. But, but when he does build that suit, a la Iron Man, he's able to infuse it with some of his magical powers. So he's like got an Iron Man suit that has control over magic instead of shooting missiles or whatever. But it can also and does sometimes shoot missiles. <laughs> also has an army of robots called Doombots who, if they're the only one in the room, think that they are him. But if there's more than one of them, then they will default to knowing that they are a Doombot. And, perhaps most importantly, he is kind of the despotic ruler of an Eastern European country called Siberia. But that's we don't have to talk about that part. The rest of it is my case for what makes Victor Von Doom the greatest villain in the Marvel comics universe. All right, so mm, I think the Doombots are kind of his Achilles heel here, right? Like I feel like we've seen a couple of things where if you're making robots that think that they're you, you're going to run into problems. See, and I like, feel like it's more of an Ultron situation, right? Where like, you know, there's just all the Ultrons and they're all controlled by the unit. But I guess that's a fair point. Cause yeah, how, how sure can he be that the Unimind is in check, right? He just needs one rogue doom bot. And yeah, that's easily going down in a hurry. <laughs> or, you know, what if the doom bot decides, you know, the Doombot, thinking he's Victor Von Doom, goes, you know what I should do? I should make a bunch of Doombots because yeah. that's what that's what Victor Von Doom would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's actually fine because you know what that makes more Doombots. You know who that helps? <laughs> Doom. 
<laughs> right. But no, those Doombots only listen to the other Doombot. And then but that Doombot listens to Doom. It'll be fine. And you then you've got a whole bunch of Doombots. <laughs> and eventually it's, it's going to like fractal, right? Like it's right, the right. Doombots. Yeah, it are, sounds like we'll be ruling right. the world soon. So the henchman, the henchman spotlight for Doom is the Doombot. And yeah, mm-hmm. I think it sounds like a multi-level marketing scheme to rule the world, Jack. I'm with you. Eventually, like here's my point. More Doombots than people. It how you you said that this is your case for him being the best villain, and those are all cool facts about him. But what sort of villainy did he get up to? Oh, you want to know about his hijinks? That's um, true. Yeah, Thanos' his... hijinks kind of spoke for themselves here. So what what has yeah, Doom done? Famed caper. That's fair. Let's talk about some capers. So. Uh, of course, famous Fantastic Four villain from the original kind of run of Fantastic Four teams up with Namor the Submariner a lot in those early days because they're kind of the two big hit villains from the early days of Fantastic Four comics. Uh, he is often posed as kind of the adversary to Reed Richards, right? Uh, he like in a very Bowser-esque move in the early comics, like basically wants to kidnap and marry Sue Storm. Uh, and the Fantastic Four are like fighting to stop that from happening a lot of the time. Um, but his more recent stuff, I think, you know, he's gotten kind of the classic villain upgrade of, you know, they need to have like a very relatable kind of ethos that motivates them. Doom has kind of gone back and forth from being on the Avengers in recent years, right? Because it's like one of these things where he's like, you know, he thinks he's right and he wants to do what he can to help the world. It's just he doesn't have a great moral compass. So sometimes he's like, you know what I'll do to help the world? Evil. Um, and that can get out of line. But yeah, so he's, I like, we do have a bit, but stepping outside the bit for a minute, I do think of, well, Deepak's character is a very strong argument here, but I think Doom is like, in the modern time, been a very compelling character who like walks both sides of that like moral line. There's also, <laughs> what about mine? We'll talk about it. There's also, uh, he's also the one that claims to have made Wanda destroy all, all the mutants in, in X-Men in the comic universe. Hmm. So he like, he claims that he actually took over her mind and made her do that. Whether or not that's true, you know, it's kind of one of those things that never gets picked back up. But he says that that's him. So, you know, he also has a big ego and probably, you know, much like much like many of my favorite men looking at you, Vin Diesel, uh, he really buys his own. He's drinking his own juice a little bit, I think, and buys into his own mythos. So he could just take credit for things all the time. And I wouldn't necessarily think that he had done them. He probably like mentioned it to Wanda Maximoff like one time at a bar and was like, you know what you should do? Kill all mutants. And then she did it herself, like for entirely different reasons. And he was like, yeah, I told her to do that. So it's me. I really love the idea of Wanda and Doom at a bar together. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's, that's all the evil people hang out at bars, Jack. Like that's, they all, they all like, they're all friends. They all know each other. You know, it's a work thing. And then another Doom comes in and they're like, oh, shit, we're Doom nuts. <laughs> I gotta get back to work. <laughs> that brings us to our third nominee of the week, and that's Deepak's nominee, which is... So we just got done talking about some mutant type stuff, and I'm going to go in that vein. My pick is Magneto. Mm. Uh, Magneto uh, has a very interesting backstory. I kind of approached this, uh, you know, we had a choice sort of initially, do we go with best villain as far as 
their destructive capability or their power set or whatever it may be. And that's why at one point I was thinking Dark Phoenix. Uh, but I mm. thought Magneto has Ooh. the most compelling mixture of the strength of his power, which is the ability to, of course, manipulate metals um, with the kind of strength of his backstory, um, which I'm not sure if that's what originally what it was. But I guess over the course of the character's history, it's been morphed into him being a Holocaust survivor and him getting out of that obviously horrific situation is what compels him to take on the um, more antagonistic side of the mutant right conversations throughout the comics, cartoons, obviously the movies as well. Um, he's a very compelling character. He is usually, um, I mean, Riley can speak more to it from the comics, but as far as the cartoons and the movies go, he always seems to have the most development. He seems to have the most going on. He is someone who is easy to be scared of, but you also weirdly sort of respect him and that the fear that you have is not just like, always oh, going to blow up the world fear. It's like nefarious, evil fear. Um, which you don't get a lot. Yeah, of I would just add on to that. Are very cartoony. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, if you want like a comic book citation of that feedback, I would go to you know the more recent Magneto stuff in the comics. Has also talked a lot, obviously, about his. I guess it's not obvious. People who don't read the comics might not know this, but once they say it, it will be obvious. He's the father of uh, Quicksilver and Wanda Max, right? He's the Scarlet right. Witch and Quicksilver's dad. Um, because in the comics they're mutants, and as those comics, uh, those characters have gained popularity recently. The comics have talked a lot about like his role as a father. Um, mm -hmm. And I would say that like has leaned a lot on that, what you're saying, right? That like fear of respect where you're like, oh, man, dad's mad. I hope he doesn't drop a stadium on me or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't really have a lot more to say other than that. You know, he, he's someone who has a lot of strength. He doesn't really have a whole lot of weaknesses other than the helmet. And without that, he's kind of screwed. Uh, of course, there are ways to outwit him, but it's not easy. Um and I'm very, very interested to see a Fast new Bender iteration of him. Yeah, I mean, I think Fastbender. I, I pick Fastbender, actually. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I think that's the more interesting performance. I think McKellen, who's obviously a great actor, those movies were I mean, they gave him good scenes with with Stewart, but I think they were more traditional in a, in a sense, as far as the comic book goes, like he was very clearly a bad guy. And the Fastbender version kind of gives him a little more shading, which I find more interesting. Um, of course, he's been in some shittier movies, like the last one. Um, but in, in first class, that might be one of the best superhero, like unsung superhero performances out there. Like that's mm -hmm. a, he's so good in that. I like Magneto as a character. I, like you mentioned the helmet as a weakness. I think the helmet is like a pretty solid strength. To be oh honest. no, no, I just meant that that's yeah like, his like, only weakness is without having it. Yeah, I mean, like. I feel like he's got the weaknesses that most people do, right? Like he's not immortal or anything. He's just controls on metal. Um, and he's been, you know, pretty successfully going up against a guy that can control everybody's mind and make him do whatever he wants. So I think that that's respectable. Mm -hmm. um, I would also say that one of the coolest things I think about Magneto's power set that you get a lot in the, let's, let's just decide from now on, we call them officially the phase one X-Men movies. So don't have to refer to them by many of the creative. The original trilogy. There you go, the original trilogy. So in the original trilogy, um, uh, you get a lot of surprising executions of that power set, right? Like when he pulls all the plasma or whatever, or the, what iron is out the of blood. blood. Yeah. yeah. He pulls all the iron out of his blood. Yeah. And like obviously the flying is very cool, right? Or 
when he fights Wolverine and you're like excited and then you realize like, oh no, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I like that's what I really like about not the I mean that is seen a lot in the McKellen performance. But what I like about Magneto is when people will find creative ways to use that power set that isn't just like he can throw a car at you. I agree. Yeah, I love the like the hard rule magic set kind of a thing where it's like this is very defined, but then working within right, those, right, like, right. restrictions to do creative things. I like that a lot. Weirdly, the X-Men Apocalypse movie has a good scene with Magneto's powers, but uh, the movie as a whole obviously is sort of iffy. But there's a good scene with him. Now, see, back, everybody else has had a henchman spotlight, which was not a thing we had planned on. Do mm. you want to speak at all to the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants? Yeah, I mean, they're just his lackeys. They're kind of a rotating bunch, but there's a few core members, I'm sure. I don't, I mean, if I feel like if we talk about the Brotherhood, we have to talk about individual mutants, and that goes too far afield. Sure. Yeah, you don't want to, get, you know, you're not trying to get points for Mystique and Toad and. <laughs> I'll have no fury like a woman scorned. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I mean, as far as henchmen go, Mystique is up there. Like, that is a solid yeah. power set. Perfection. <laughs> Brings us to our final nominee of the week, and that's Jack's nominee, which is... Alright, so, uh, we've all named a few notable villains, um, but I think mine has has a few things going for him. So I, I went with Mole Man, mm. also known as Harvey Rupert Elber, Elder, excuse me. <laughs> um, he was the first uh, Marvel villain appearing in the Fantastic Four number one in 1961, the first comic they published as Marvel Comics. Uh, First Marvel villain. mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very first one. Uh, He was originally a a nuclear engineer uh, before, I I think, well, he was sort of born uh, very deformed and, and sort of small and blind. Um, you might say it's strangely mole-like. It's like how the Danny DeVito penguin has, like, flippers. (laughs) And then he he became a scientist, but he was also a conspiracy theorist uh, who believed that the Earth was hollow. And then uh, he led an expedition which found Monster Isle uh, underground and uh, ended up... um, I mean, I don't think it actually gave him any powers when he found it. He just sort of went crazy <clears throat> being so secluded from the surface world. His eyes went completely blind. And when he emerged, he declared himself Mole Man and uh, and <laughs> tried to to take over the world. So he's sort of the ruler of this underground world, Subterranea. Um, he would actually later go on to fall in love with and marry their princess. So that's how he became the king. It was not even like a hostile takeover. He just wooed her. Well, that's nice. Well, and that's going to kind yeah, of be it. That's the bulk of my argument is he's kind of just a, a good guy who was wronged in his life. Because first of all, I mean, uh, I have strong opinions about this in the real world. But in regards to this fictional world, he was right. The world was hollow. <laughs> Uh, he was <laughs> falsely judged for his appearances. Uh, he even, for a period of time, surrendered his villainous ways uh, and, oh. and 
tried to become like more noble, not like a hero type, but just to to be a benefit to society. He joined Adam Warlock's superhero team, the Infinity Watch. That's incredible. Jack, you might not know this off the top of your head, but are you at all confident whether or not um, that other little troll that hangs out with Adam Warlock was on that team? Because if they were both on the Infinity (laughs) Watch at the same time, that would just not be a very intimidating group. (laughs) He can only help. Well, he... He was mostly using the monsters in the underground for to to sort of help out there, I think. Oh, just send in like a Tyrannosaur. Yeah, well, not exactly. We'll get to that. That's more of a modern part of his story. But um, so then he uh, after the uh, Infinity Watch was sort of disbanded, he, he got a little more vengeful again mm-hmm. and, and started <laughs> literally on the. On the little pit, on the wiki article I'm on, it goes, uh, villainous history, reformation, attacking again. <laughs> <laughs> so then he starts breeding chupacabra and releasing them into Puerto Rico, which he ended up getting stopped again by the Fantastic Four. <clears throat> and he starts all sorts of shenanigans. He steals. Wait, so hold up. He So he was reintroducing an endangered species to his natural habitat and all of a sudden he's the villain? Is that where we're going with this? Well, the chupacabra is not real, but um, um, uh, apparently they're, guess, they're real in Marvel. I guess comics. again, to your point, he does have them. So, in, it, yeah, I guess you're right. His motive was to protect them from extinction. So, I'm okay, Jack. Find, you know, this is the best villain here, and so if you're going to nominate you. the best villain, you know, we really need to. Is he a villain? Because it's it's. Everything well, this hmm. doesn't sound like he's that villain. Well, all right. Let me let me hit. That's fair. I've been trying to cast him in a good light. Here's a mole man story that might uh, paint his true colors. Um, when Squirrel Girl was setting up a dating profile, uh, it did lead to an encounter with Mole Man. Okay. Uh, well, Mole Man's blind, so we know he's not picking for looks. So we know that his intentions are good. That's hold, a on, great hold on. Hold on, Fred. Let's that's an interesting that. point. Out. Well, so what happened she, when, this, when this old, old man went on a date with his teenager, Jack? Oh, well, he, pro- he <laughs> proposed to her on the spot. Okay. And when she said no, uh, he threatened to bury a number of international landmarks <laughs> uh, and then tried to kidnap her before the media got, got a hold of it. And then uh, <clears throat> I think she, she ended up getting saved. It's incredible how much this guy is just a QAnon guy, right? He's like an incel conspiracy theorist who's into hollow earth. So Jack's got a QAnonist. I've got I've got Vladimir Putin, basically. Um, Deepak is a Holocaust survivor, so. Wow. (laughs) I guess he's also the leader of like a terrorist. All right, cool. Jack, Mole Man, great, great pick. A deep. So I just want to. Just to recap. His superpowers are that he's small and blind and smart, I guess. That was implied. Or maybe he was just a regular scientist and wasn't super smart. But, yeah, there you go. Great. So there is 
be able to vote in a poll at nihshops.com. So let us know which of us you think have the best argument. And in the comments, you'll be able to let us know your choice is the best Marvel villain. Whoever has what we think is the best pick will give a shout-out in the coming up week. Uh, this has been Dirt 2 Weekly. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love it if you head over to nihshops.com and subscribe. Also follow us on the socials at your first wherever you can do that and as always don't forget to tune in next week to hear Professor X is basically gone